Do you think Jesus would play Angry Birds when he's supposed to be taking out the garbage? <laughs> Jesus doesn't want one to ten hours of your life every week. He wants every second of our lives. Is that unrealistic? God sees you and knows everything you do, say and think, 24 hours per day. Do we have to talk about that? <laughs> Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're talking about how Jesus is still Lord on Thursday and not just on Sundays. Thursday? Yes. Oh. Yes, Thursday as well. Yep. And uh, so we're going to get into that, and we'll talk a little bit more how about we how I came to that topic. Uh, but in the meantime, let's just catch up on things, Josh. You were just out of town on a vacation. You visited the Deep South for a while. Yeah, it was my anniversary, so I took my, oh my. lovely bride a little further south. She is from Brazil, so she appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And we spent a few days in Florida. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, great. Hope you had a good time and glad to have you back. And No problem. How excellent. have you been? Pretty good. It's uh, been a pretty good couple of weeks. Um, just uh, life in general going okay, you know, and living one day to the next, enjoying work and uh, nothing really exciting other than, you know, getting some reading done. And so I preached uh, a couple weeks ago at my church um, that I attend here in Aberdeen and um I like to do that once in a while, but yeah, really it's been pretty even. Maybe that's the way to put it. Cool. Nothing exciting, nothing or either way. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one kind of weird episode. Our washing machine has been having problems for the last few months. And so my wife has had to actually take our laundry to the laundromat. And this last weekend, she took the laundry to the laundromat and took some of the kids with her because while the washing uh, washing was going, she was going to take them um, clothes shopping at Walmart. And, uh, well, she gets back and it turns out the laundromat had closed while she was gone. So oh, no. it's like, okay. So she found out what time they opened the next morning and she got there and someone had stolen our laundry. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, apparently it is. And they looked over the video footage, the police came and apparently somebody had hidden in the laundromat overnight. Who knows Why? I really don't think he was lying in wait for our laundry in particular. I think uh, he maybe just needed a place to stay. I don't know. But uh, 6.30 comes along and and uh, <laughs> the video shows him cleaning out our laundry machines and taking off. So, Wow, how about that? Yeah, so that's not something you hear about every day. Uh, but, you know, uh, it was okay. Uh, you know, literally 20-some years ago, that would have led me, and I'm not kidding about this, led me to probably a nervous breakdown. Um, because of the stresses in my life at that time, the the financial stresses we've got going. I won't go into all the detail, but my wife challenged me to to start tithing again. And we couldn't even afford rent and food. And I'm like, tithing? Gotta be nuts. But I knew she was right because she usually is about these things. And we started tithing again and it took us a while, but uh, I started getting a piece again about finances. And over the years, God has brought us to debt, being debt free over time. We're, we're in a little debt now, but it's, it's uh, like mortgages and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the panic isn't there. And so when somebody stole all those clothes, it was like, 
<clears throat> well, I guess we're going shopping, you know, instead of, oh no, you know, let me go raid the Salvation Army dumpsters because I can't even afford what they charge, you know, so, so I guess that was a little blip in the old lifometer. Good. Lifeline, well, it so. sounds like Dave Ramsey would be proud of all the progress you've made. I hope so. Yes. And, and I, I will say Dave Ramsey changed our lives. Um, and, uh, when we first started listening to him years ago, so I'm a fan, Dave, and I just gave Ramsey plus to my two newlywed daughters. Okay. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> we like to ask also just how life's going, but also about the books we're reading. What's been on your. Well, I'm working like, through, uh, the book church of cowards mm -hmm. by matt walsh so that's been interesting i've made a little bit of progress not so much recently just because of a lot of travel mm -hmm. um but i should finish it up within the next week or so and uh it's been encouraging challenging uh it's actually funny at times mm -hmm. cool. uh you sort of laugh and then you get frustrated because the thing that you just read was so absurdly true about american christians or american culture or or what have you so mm -hmm. um yeah it's one of those things it's it's good to hear his perspective he's a catholic mm -hmm. uh, uh pretty committed catholic and uh so he has a slightly different perspective on certain things than i do but that's mm -hmm. good it's challenging and it helps right. me think through what i believe and why and why i might see something slightly differently but overall mm -hmm. uh i think he's got a lot of great things to to say and uh, I've been aware of or sort of come across Matt Walsh for years. I mean, he's been doing a podcast and and he's it's interesting to see him just evolve and I don't know, grow up, mature, approach things slightly differently, able to have conversations in a different way. That's cool. That's helpful and that appeals to a broader range of people and actually helps him connect with more folks cool. so i like that aspect excellent. too yeah so excellent well good uh i did i finished uh finally finished not in it to win it by andy stanley great book i highly recommend it uh for really anybody but particularly christians who um, want to know how we can engage politically in our conversations it's just a great book and then i also just read truth over tribe by a couple of pastors in in Missouri, and uh, another great convicting book. And I need to actually reread it uh, because I read it so quickly, I did not take time to do the reflection questions at the end of each chapter. And, and um, I need to go back and reread it so I can do those again, because it's going to be great for some self-reflection on my own part. So even though the book resonated with me personally, I also understand that I've got blind spots and I, there's areas I need to examine myself about. And the book is very, very good about that. And it's written by the co-hosts of one of my favorite podcasts right now, amazingly entitled Truth Over Tribe. So how about that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great podcast that I recommend very highly as well. So that and Holy Poster, my favorite podcast at the moment. Um, have you been checking out any podcasts lately? Listener? I actually was just listening to the latest episode of Truth Over Tribe oh, cool. uh, talking about Talking to the author of a book called, uh, I don't know if I'll get this right, the, the Air We Breathe or The Water We Swim in or something like mm -hmm. that, just about how profoundly Christ and the message of the gospel has affected how we think about the world and what we oh, even yeah. think morals and morality are mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, we just assume that there are these common universally held values and the only reason that's the case in a lot of cases is that 
it's a Christian value. We just don't know that it is. And mm-hmm. if you go back before Christ, nobody thought that way right. anywhere in the world. Right. And, and I, for, I listen to that same podcast. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I love how he pointed out that uh, if you would have talked to Plato or Socrates about how every life is dignified because it's made in the image of God, they would have been like, you're nuts. No, that's not logical. That's contrary to nature. Right. Yeah. And yet uh, that's a biblical value and one that is shared by people across the political spectrums. So, yeah, it was a great conversation. I loved listening to that as well. So anyway, so let's move right along here. So the next two episodes, this one and the one uh, episode 17 coming up, are going to be a little bit more freewheeling in terms of the structure. Might even be a little shorter. We're not sure. We'll see where that goes. Uh, I'm going to introduce the topics and maybe give some info and or some background, and then Josh and I will have some discussion about it. And we're going to talk about Jesus is still Lord on Thursday, and shout out to Nick Eiltz, a friend of ours and uh, the director of the Apatorium. You know Nick? I know Nick. Yeah, Yeah, Nick's a good guy. guy. He's the director of this youth drop-in center here in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Uh, Like I said, a great guy. And when I approached him a year or so ago about checking out the original Discipleship DNA podcast, he did that. And when I asked for suggestions for topics... He suggested this topic of living consistently for Jesus throughout the week and not just on Sundays. A uh, huge, huge topic. And since that's one of my heartbeats for the Church of Jesus, uh, it was easy to accept that. And now here we are uh, talking through that. So I need to make sure I tell Nick that he needs to listen to this new podcast so he can hear You're his name. That. Yeah. Hey, Nick, if you're listening. You're right. And uh, <laughs> know that uh, I remembered that conversation, buddy. Okay. So. Josh, you maybe already knew this, but uh, there are 168 hours in each week. Not enough. Not enough, right? (laughs) Especially for (laughs) entrepreneurial spirits such as yourself. And uh, at best, many Christians might give two or three hours per week in church attendance. Uh, Some will have some daily devotions, maybe even an hour per day, including Sundays and Bible studies. And out of the entire week, that still comes just over 4% of what we're given every week. And if we take away eight hours for sleep every night, we're left with 112 hours per week of conscious activity. Take away the 10 hours you might give in church attendance and personal devotions, you're left with 102 hours. Mm. And of course, you know, that's work time and and all these things, you know, so a lot of that stuff is included in that 102 hours. But here's some news for all of us to ponder and to chew on. Jesus expects us to live in loving submission to him as Lord. In every hour, we're awake, at least. Uh, People can argue about whether or not uh, you can consciously have him as your Lord when you're sleeping. I don't know. I'm not into, you know, I don't know. But anyway, when we're awake, he expects us to live for him every moment. That means he is supposed to be your boss at work. And that includes the drive to and from work, that commute. That means he's your boss while you're eating at Burger King, when you're on vacation, when you're at sporting events, and especially your kids' sporting events. Oh, you mean you have to uh, control your tongue and behave yourself oh goodness, at your kids' yes. sporting events? Yes. Reflecting Jesus is a lost art, if it was ever an art, at kids' sporting events. So, uh, he's supposed to be your lord at the bank, at Walmart, and in the parking lot at Walmart, as you drive in and out, dodging carts and other people on your rush to get out of the the lot. Brian, are you telling me that I shouldn't be judging people at Walmart because they showed up in their pajamas or they're buying six packs of Cheetos at once? Right. Oh. Yes, yes. Um, Okay. I need to to submit my my 
judgmental attitude to Christ, even when yeah. I'm shopping at Walmart. Yeah. Okay. And, and But actually, you know, and that one even really wasn't what I was thinking about. I was thinking about how we act toward others, like on our commute to and from work, are we driving responsibly and safely or are we cutting people off and uh, using sign language that Jesus wouldn't approve of? Are we honest at our work? Are we diligent at the kids' sporting events like we just talked about? Are we people who exhibit the love of Jesus? Uh, <laughs> or are you people that end up on YouTube later as examples of bad sportsmanship? You know, things like that. But excellent point that we do need to also put on the judgment blinders uh, when we see people at Walmart who, uh, you know, maybe don't look the way we do, eat the way we do, buy the way we do, smell the way we do, whatever. We need to be kind and generous and loving the way Jesus was for us. So yeah, I'd, I'm not one who struggles with lots of outward insults as more of an introvert. <laughs> Most yeah. of my judgments are internal mm -hmm. and very, very harsh sometimes. <laughs> yes, I admit me too. Especially then, at Walmart. Yes. Yeah. And the Lord, and, and that is a problem for me, but the Lord has very, been very good about Reminding me, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, uh, Tom Cruise in the looks department, you know, or, or any of those guys. I mean, I'm an old, bald, fat guy, you know, and I don't have much to offer in the, you know, modeling department. And uh, so, you know, if I'm to judge somebody on their looks, <laughs> it doesn't take much for the Lord to say, <clears throat> seen any mirrors lately, buddy? You know, he doesn't quite use that terminology with me, but he reminds me that he loves me in spite of how I look, in spite of how I dress, uh, in spite of the way my beard looks that day, if I didn't comb it right or whatever. So he is good at reminding me of that. And then it helps me pray for that person. So God is good. But moving along, there is never a time that Jesus is not supposed to be Lord of your life. And here's a fact that might make you uncomfortable in one sense and maybe joyful and comforted in the other sense. God sees you and knows everything you do, say, and think 24 hours per day. Every second, millisecond you're alive, he knows and sees everything. Nothing is secret from him. Nothing. That includes your time in the water closet, expelling and emptying your bowels, and when you are having marital relations with your loved one, and all those things. Do we have to talk about that? <laughs> no, I, I, I know. I appreciate that too because it does um, sometimes creep into your into your mind that oh, you know, nobody sees what I'm doing, or you know, I can I can waste time here, or I can do this thing mm -hmm. that I know I probably shouldn't be doing. And it's good to be reminded that we're not we're not hiding from everybody. Right, yeah. right. You know, and that can make us uncomfortable because you know that you're doing, saying, and thinking things that are not godly all the time, to say the least, right? I know that's true for me, and, and you just affirm that about yourself as well. And why is that? Well, it's because we're imperfect humans, and even as the Holy Spirit works in us to make us more like Jesus, we blow it sometimes. There's just no way around it. But that same fact might be comforting because we know that he is aware of our struggles, our failures, and our heartbreaks. Even when we can't express our heartbreaks and our sorrows and our shame and all these things, he's there and he knows that stuff. And it's not just that he knows about these things. He's with us as we go through them. In fact, Philip Yancey says he's in us as we go through those things. Well, that's where it's good to be reminded that we're not just fully known, but we're also fully loved. Yes. So 
Jesus isn't judging us in the way that I might be judging somebody at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, he truly knows me, my faults, my foibles and so forth. And he's loving me anyway. And he always wants what's best for me. And he always knows what's best for me. Right. So the fact that I might feel a little bit ashamed about something that I, uh, am doing, um, probably means that, you know, the guy's got something better for me than the way that I'm spending my time at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's why it's even more important that we live in willful, intentional submission to him as Lord and boss of our lives every waking moment. And that's something that develops over time too. It's, you know, as, as you become intentional about being aware that you are in his presence at all times, that can go a long way to allowing the Holy Spirit to really work in you, to act more like Jesus, to think more like Jesus, to speak more like Jesus, because it makes us aware and, and gives us the willingness really to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Jesus would play angry birds (laughs) when he's supposed to be taking out the garbage? (laughs) Uh, As a a completely hypothetical example. Well, the thing is I've never played angry birds. And the only thing I know about angry birds is that they made it into a movie. And uh, I did not watch that movie. Yeah. And I haven't either. So the merits of the game itself, um, I couldn't tell you, um, my guess is that he would wait until after he had taken the garbage out and then played it, you know, with knowledge and permission from. Do you think he would ever yeah. play it? If Jesus had some downtime, would he find something better to do or would he play a little bit of Angry Birds? I don't know. Hypothetically speaking. I have no idea. Okay. I don't even want to venture a guess because I, especially since I don't know about Angry Birds, you know, Galaga, of course he would. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no question. Pac-Man. That's why I didn't yeah. ask because right. obviously he would, yeah. but. Yeah. So, you know, video games in general, depends on the video game, you know. So, okay. But yeah, Galaga for sure. So, Not Grand Theft Auto. No. Okay. Probably not. No, no, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to where we're going. It's just, it's just that Jesus doesn't want one to 10 hours of your life every week. He wants every hour. He wants every second of our lives. Is that unrealistic? Maybe. But. That doesn't change the fact that Jesus expects us to live for him every minute and every moment. Here's just one passage of scripture that brings us home. This is uh, Colossians 3, verse 17. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And there are other scriptures that talk kind of on these concepts, but here are just some questions that I think we can work through, uh, we can discuss them a little bit here, but just questions that came to my mind as I was thinking about how I can live my life more for Jesus during the day. So questions that somebody can ask yourself through the week. First of all, is the title of the thing here, is Jesus Lord of my life on Thursday? Not just Sundays, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so as you go through the grind of your week and it's getting long and it's, you know, and you've had maybe a couple, three rough days, are you still working doing your work as though Jesus is really your boss because ultimately he is. Or when you go home is, is how you treat your family and how you interact with your kids and stuff reflective of the fact that Jesus is Lord of your life. If not, why not? Is there something you need to move or replace or put into your life to help you with that? So just asking is Jesus Lord of my life on whatever given day it is related to that is is how I'm doing my work reflecting Jesus. 
that my job is, no matter what your job is, if you're a follower of Jesus, your job should be done in a way that reflects him well. Uh, it means being really good at your job. And I don't mean competency necessarily. What I'm talking about is doing your work hard, being a hard worker, putting in more than a day's labor for a day's pay. You know, it, you're good at your job. And are you doing it in a way that others can see um, goodness in that? Am I doing my work in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can I express thanks to God the Father through my work? Is he honored in my work? You know, and, and that's kind of a hard question at times, but, you know, he's he is dishonored when we do our work badly, or at least with a bad attitude, or if we don't try, if we're not giving it our level best, I think he is dishonored. Here's one, is how I'm driving reflecting Jesus. Yes, that is a thing. Am I driving in the name of the Lord Jesus? And And if I'm not, it's time to rip off that fish sticker. And, and the bumper sticker saying, honk if you love Jesus, you know, because uh, somebody's going to honk at you and you're going to turn around and yell at them. So. Or cut them off in the name yeah, of Jesus. Yeah, cut them off. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's, oh my goodness. Seriously. And, and, and that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. We all think we drive better than anybody else. So, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Uh, but you should drive in a way that doesn't cause others to hate you. <laughs> I don't drive better than anybody else. I know that. Mm -hmm. But I do drive better than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe this is just my pride talking, but in Aberdeen, for mm -hmm. those of you who are listening in Aberdeen, there is unnecessary confusion at four-way stops. <laughs> and I don't know why this is, uh, where people who clearly have the right of way are trying to wave you across. And then as you go across, somebody else decides to go and mm -hmm. nobody knows quite what to do. And I feel like I avoid two or three fender benders. Mm. Every day, just trying to trying to get through a four way stop because sure. people don't really know what they're doing. I'm sure every town's got their little quirks, but right. it's a a character building exercise, I would say, to try to maintain a Christ like attitude in the in such situations yes. and have yes, it is. have grace for people and also recognize that sometimes I do dumb stuff too, mm -hmm. and nobody's perfect. And right. you know, yep. well, I think if uh, just a personal thing is. If, is my driving serving the people around me? Mm. Why, is my driving serving the person in the next lane? Or am I, am I constantly in their blind spot so they can't go to the next lane? You know, you know, things that are maybe minor in the grand scheme of life, but might help avoid an accident, you know, or uh, using my turn signal when I change lanes. You know, that's not only common courtesy, it's actually the law. And, you know, turning my signal on before I turn. <laughs> Not while I'm turning, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is an odd example, but it's just funny that how many people can relate to that, right? Because we drive all the time and mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. people drive aggressively, maybe they drive too timidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can, right. you can, in, in stop and grow traffic, actually, you can make things better yes. uh, for the people behind you by mm -hmm. smoothing out the, the, you know, the stop and go a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you don't follow somebody quite so close right you can actually improve the traffic behind you just by driving slightly differently than everyone else is right. um so i tried to do that in minneapolis there you go last last weekend i don't know if that worked but <laughs> i i felt i felt like i was doing a good thing for this the good citizens of bloomington minnesota well, there you go there you go one thing we need to learn in this area is the the concept of the zipper merge we don't seem to have that down very well here so oh yeah yeah there's a lot of things we don't have down very well here. Right, right. What's kind of one of the beauties of being in a smaller town is that that's not exactly a huge issue for us. <laughs> True. It's not going to um, deny somebody a really, you know, it's just not one of those things. Uh, yeah. 
Anyway, so driving. Yeah, we can drive <laughs> for Jesus. Um, is my life consistently showing the Lordship of Jesus throughout the week? And I mean consistently. You know, we maybe we're really good on Mondays because we just had a great night at church or Bible study. And we're great on Monday. And then Tuesday comes and Wednesday comes, Thursday comes. And Friday, all we can think about is getting out for the weekend. I feel like I'm better on Thursday than I am on Monday, just because Monday's like, you know, oh, all the things that I didn't get to last week, I now have to try to catch up mm -hmm, on or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm starting the week behind or whatever. And going into the week with a, a good attitude, a Christ-like attitude with, with gratitude and mm -hmm. I guess a just a clear conscience that I'm starting the week out on the right foot or what, or what have you. I think that's important. That's a more of a struggle for me, I think, mm -hmm. than, than a midweek Thursday. Sure. You know, other things that can help with this, or that I should say pertain to this, are things like showing up on time. I'm a believer that, you know, if, if I'm supposed to start work at eight that, or nine, for instance, I need to be there before then so I can start work at that thing. And maybe that's a boomer attitude. I don't know. But uh, it seems to me that, you know, I should be paid for when I'm actually ready for work, not when I'm driving into the parking lot. You know, I shouldn't be arriving at nine. I should be starting my work at nine. And that's, that's courteous to your bosses and to your coworkers, not taking a longer lunch break than you should. Uh, I know obviously there's circumstances or emergencies that pop up and traffic can get bad, but, um, you know, are you someone who can be counted on consistently? you know, by your boss to get tasks done, to be on time, to, you know, get reports done or whatever it is, to treat customers well, whatever it is. Is that life consistently showing the Lordship of Jesus? Here's one. Would my coworkers, bosses, customers, et cetera, be surprised to see me at church? That's a good question. If, if you act in ways at, at work that are inconsistent with scripture and inconsistent with the life of Jesus and inconsistent with scriptural teaching and you go to a church that teaches you to better than that. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I would I would put a little bit different spin on that. It, not necessarily that you're a you know a terrible business person, but maybe you're just not any different than the average mm. business person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I've had situations where I've seen somebody at church and it was shocking, not because I had a negative opinion about them. I might've mm -hmm. had a very positive opinion about them, but it just nothing in my interactions with them ever gave me a clue that they were a Christian. Interesting. And so for whatever reason, I never saw that. And so it makes me wonder if people feel that way about me. Am I just doing my job in a way that, give somebody a clue that I might be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing to ask. Absolutely. Uh, in every area of life, but especially, you know, business and public life. Right. Right. And um, you sparked something in my brain here that, you know, well, if you see somebody at church, you know, and you're surprised with, but then you're thinking, well, you know, he's just like everybody else in town. You know, he's just like every other uh, gas station owner or landlord or in town or, and um, it's negative. But you're thinking, well, he's just like everybody else. Well, the thing is that we're supposed to be not following the pattern of the world. We're supposed to be doing something differently. And he's just like every other sales guy in town. Right, right. Oh, yeah. man. And, uh, you know, that's my thing. I'm in retail sales. And I want people to see Jesus in me, even if they don't recognize it as Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, I want them to see something different. I want it to be a positive experience 
because I want them that if I ever, the chance ever came where I could share the gospel with them or invite them to church or something, they'll say, okay, this makes sense. And I'm willing to listen to you because of how you've treated me in the past. So what can I do to bring this thing, whatever this is, in line with the Lordship of Jesus? Maybe it's, maybe it's this thing about being late to work or wasting time at work. Um, you know, taking paper clips home, you know, <laughs> stealing office supplies, you know, oh, it's just a couple of pens. Yeah, it's a couple of pens you didn't pay for, you know, that somebody else bought for you or things like that. What is there something that maybe the Lord is, is touching on you that you need to bring in under the Lordship of Jesus? And that's going to be different for different people. So I can't say that, you know, it's going to be the same thing for everybody. But is um, this confession time? Because I'm not sure I'm ready to admit no, my personal no, struggles. No, this is not on this confession podcast. time. Although you want, if, how much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, okay, we're not going to go there. All righty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, or actually, go ahead. Maybe we'll have Aaron edit it out. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. No. Okay. Sorry. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, now, and this one is hard. This one, this next question is uh, hard for me, not because I fail at it so much, but it's just. Well, I do fail at it, but does my family see that Jesus is Lord of my life, even when I'm stressed out and angry? No, here's confession time. My family does not always see that, uh, especially last year, a couple of years ago, before I realized that I was undergoing uh, depression and anxiety, I was quick with the trigger and uh, the fuse was so short. That uh, you couldn't even see it in the firecracker. It was just boom. It was there. And uh, I think if you were to ask my family a year, you know, a year and a half ago, I don't think that they could say that they would see Jesus as, as the Lord of my life. Especially when I'm stressed out and angry, much less even when I'm stressed out and angry. And uh, Lord willing, that's better. I, I think it has gotten improved over that. I've gotten some help for my my depression and anxiety. And that's hard because we wanted to tell our kids about Jesus. We want to take them to church. But if if we talk about Jesus, but they don't see him honestly living as Lord of our lives, it's all hollow. And it's hypocritical. And it'll be no no surprise if our kids say, well, that's yeah, nothing I want. You know, why would I want to follow that? So that's, uh, that's probably the most important question that we need to ask. Because, uh, you know, jobs come and go. But our family is our legacy. And if they're not seeing Christ in our life, even imperfectly, then we need to uh, we need to work on that. Then we have failed. I think one of the ways to demonstrate that is actually humility, because obviously we're not Christ. We do make mistakes. We do struggle with anxiety and stress that we bring home, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we um, hurt people, mm-hmm. even unintentionally, yep. in our families. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I think is very impactful uh, is is to apologize, oh, you yeah, know, to, to show humility, to admit you were wrong if you were wrong, especially mm-hmm. at home, especially mm-hmm. even with your kids, Yep. Um, because Jesus never had to admit he was wrong, but right. he did show humility mm-hmm. in all the ways that he possibly could, mm-hmm. washing the disciples' feet and serving and, yes. and just humbling himself. And he was the one person in history who never needed to, and he did it. And so modeling that for our family, I think, mm-hmm. is one of the best ways because rather than trying to be perfect or pretend we're perfect or, you know, never admit, 
any mm-hmm. mistakes. Um, humility and, and being able to admit when you're wrong is is a way to model Jesus yeah. to our family. And even asking for their forgiveness. Oh, yeah. You know, and when you tell a kid, I messed up on this. Here's what I was thinking, but I was wrong. I'm very sorry. Will you forgive me? Usually that ends in a nice big hug and maybe even a few tears. But we do need to display that. And um, so thanks for bringing that up. Josh, are there any other questions that maybe as we've been going through this thing that somebody could ask themselves to help help them uh, train themselves to making sure that Jesus is Lord of their life every day and not just on Sundays? Well, I've been thinking about how Jesus himself did that in being perfectly aligned and in submission to the Father as, you know, he was God, but he was also human and he lived a perfect life. And one of the things that he did was pray a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just think of how often I take time to pray. And on a good day, it might be, like you said, you know, some some time in the morning and maybe some time at night, Mm -hmm. um, at meal times. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at Jesus's prayer life, uh, and it's extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. There are multiple times where he spent all night praying. He yes. prayed instead of sleeping mm-hmm. from, you know, sundown to sunup, essentially. Yeah. And took time away, uh, took time to pray, you know, throughout the day and so forth. And even the disciples after Jesus left were praying together on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, sometimes for hours or it seemed like anyway a good chunk of the day uh, Mm -hmm. multiple times a week i mean that was that is powerful and that is what uh powerful what is it the uh, fervent effectual prayer yes of a righteous man yes yes that's what that seems to look like in (laughs) in the bible right and uh i think we're very far from that just generally as a culture and there's so much distraction and we don't have any downtime or quiet time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so easy if we do to fill it with something yes, rather than prayer. No, question. So that's yep. one of the challenges that I've been giving myself recently is to at least try to take some of those little, you know, where I need a break or I'm just bored rather than just, you know, scroll through something on on the internet or mm-hmm. play a video game or something like that to to take a little time to pray. Yep. Cuz I think that that will help me to make Jesus more lord of my life more often. Right, right. And I just think of some other things just as you're interacting with people is you know, is this interaction positive? Is this interaction reflecting Christ? Is how I'm treating my coworker right now reflective for Christ, you know, reflective of Christ? Just things that we can ask ourselves that the Lord might just help to bring us in line with his lordship all day long. And it's and the great thing is we're not talking about being micromanaged and, you know, every little piece. But the thing is, Jesus promised blessing. He wants us to have a full and abundant life. And that's for all of his followers. He wants that. And as we do these things, then we'll be people who can be more like Jesus and who can make the relationships with people that we want to impact for other areas of life, whether it's religion or politics or whatever, he will make that happen as we're submitted to him. So uh, we're getting low on time here. So let's uh, get ready to wrap this up with, of course, our Chuck Norris fact of the week here. And here it is. I'm excited. Yes, you should be. If you spell Chuck Norris wrong on Google, it doesn't say, did you mean Chuck Norris? It simply replies, run while you still have a chance. I'm doomed. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Josh, for your 
time. And and, uh, everybody, God bless you. And I hope you live for Jesus all week long. Have a great week. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.